Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. As we um, walking into this uh, series and continuing this series, some of the feedback we're getting is incredible feedback. Mm-hmm. One of the feedback that, I, that I've heard that we've heard is how the devotions are going. And if you don't have the devotional book to walk this through, if you're kind of like, well, I don't really need it. I don't think I need it. And you feel like, oh man, I wish I had it. We do have extra here at the church. So please contact us. Mm-hmm. But the point of it is this. Some people have commented that taking the extra time, the challenging part is that silence and the, um, the silence and rest at the beginning, at the end of it, there's two right. minutes of silence. And here's the thing that I want you to know. It, it is hard right. because we live in a society that we rush and we go. Mm-hmm. So for us to sit quiet for a couple minutes is very challenging. Right. But I want you to know not to give up. Uh, somebody wrote us to this week and said they, um, they were having a hard time with it, but they felt like also in a moment they found the sweet spot. And it's true, you're going to find that sweet spot. I like that terminology of how you're just going to be able to rest in God's presence. And it's going to get quicker. The first little bit, I remember Craig Rochelle, uh, he was stressed out and he was going through stuff and he went to a counselor. And the counselor actually said, here's what I want you to do twice a day. Or actually, I think it was just once. I want you to take five minutes. I want you to sit in a chair and do nothing. Don't think about anything. Don't make decisions. Just rest and do nothing. And he said the first time he did it, it lasted about 30 seconds. And he was like, this guy's nuts. And he never did again, went back, and the counselor was like, you need to do this. Now he's extended the time, he loves it, and this is what I encourage you. It's challenging right now, but you will get it. Mm -hmm. It'll be the most refreshing time that you have, and it will begin to grow even longer because this is the strength that it comes with. Um, And I remember meeting with my spiritual director a few weeks ago, and I'm going to tell this story fast. And he started off, it was a busy week, stressful week. And he's like, how's it going? I'm like, it's been a busy, stressful week. He's like, let's start off with just silence. I sat there and honestly, I don't know how long I sat there. It felt like, but it was so peaceful. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm like, I could do this the whole hour. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but I want to honor his time. And so I stopped. And as soon as I stopped, he told me of the story of his spiritual director having somebody come in and they sat down as a CEO of this big company. And he took the whole hour just by himself. Like they just sat quiet. And at the end of it, the CEO looked at him and said, this is the best session we've ever had. And he got up and he left. And so take those moments. It will become healing. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, just to help you, if you're like, I don't know what to do, remember STAR from earlier this fall. Yep. And so practice STAR. So stop, take a breath, show appreciation to God. I know we're not supposed to be really thinking, we're just resting. But if you're having a hard time, just start off this way and just ask the Lord, just begin to appreciate him and then begin to just respond to him. It's okay to do it that way, and then you'll slowly, you'll be able to stop and take a breath and just, I would tell you, stop, take a breath, and wait as long as you can before you begin to appreciate and respond to the Father. But don't give up trying. It will work out for the best. And I think sometimes if you have a brain like mine that just keeps wandering, you know, that gratitude, that appreciation, that A, is a big one. Because instead of letting your mind wander to other things, you're focusing your mind at least on Jesus. Or sometimes I could picture, I picture being in heaven and Jesus on the throne and even just like laying 
laying before him or being Mary washing his feet, yeah. but keeping your eyes on him and and not letting your mind wander helps you to have a God consciousness right. so that God can then just rest. You know, and I think if, if you're like, if you're anything like me, my body takes on the stress. Um, and so maybe your body takes on the stress. So when I have a moment of silence and I take that breath, I can literally feel my body just like melting by just like, I can, I can literally feel stress falling off of my body. And you will realize how important, you know, silence and a contemplation on God is because it allows your body to rest. Um, Benny Johnson once said, Bill Johnson's wife actually yeah. said, you know, she wasn't doing well. And God said, you know, I want you healthy. I want you in this for the long run right. because he has more plans for us than we even have plans yeah. for ourselves. But God, God wants us, you know, he loves us body, soul, and spirit. Body is one of those. And I think silence just helps our body, soul, and spirit just to rest in him. It's true. It's yeah. true. And so this week, as we start this week, we're going to learn the importance of knowing yourself that you may know God. Yep. Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine 39 says, and the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this this commandment is interesting because um, it basically says you can't love your neighbor right. unless you love yourself. Yep. How many people are walking around not loving themselves? You know, with those inner voices of self-hatred or all of those things. It's true. We have to love ourselves, but in order, and it, and it says love ourselves, or what was, it was know yourself so that, that you may know God. In order to know God, yeah. You need to know yourself. And I think that the more that we can begin to know ourselves, the more we actually begin to know God more. Right. Um, I think sometimes when we love ourselves too much, we um, have an ego. Well, right. we have pride. And, and it all comes back to comparing ourselves to other people. So um, when we're not loving ourselves enough, often it's because we're comparing ourselves to the other person. Yep. And we are not measuring up to them, right? Right. Then we love ourselves too much because we're measuring ourselves to them and we are going, man, I look good. <laughs> you know, man, I got more noticeable giftings than they do. Yeah. Or, you know, my gifting and their gifting, like mine's right here, when we just puff our, you know, we puff ourselves up. But it all comes back to true humility. So later on in the study, Peter actually talks about, and I think we've mentioned this almost every week, um, that true humility comes when somebody says something negative about you yeah. and you are able to honestly say, if you only knew. And that is not in a shame, self-condemning way, if you only knew, I totally suck. Right. But when somebody says something negative to us, tr true humility is saying, if you only knew, you know, I don't take any, you know, I don't internalize that. I don't self-condemn myself by what you say. I am full of the grace of Jesus that I can't believe that he would take me in this mess right. and he loves me. And when we begin to know ourselves, all of our flaws, but then also what God sees. So how he sees us, it begins, it helps us to actually begin to love ourselves because we see God's grace. So we see who God is. And then we can trust him more and we can begin just to understand 
who he is and who we are. And I think that's what we're trying to learn today, who we are a little bit more. It's absolutely true, like who we are. And we try to be other people and yeah. we'll talk about that. But I remember years ago, when, back when we were in Toronto, I was working construction, you were in ministry. And I remember seeing, meeting with Mark Griffin and Matt Tapley. And, and when we were sitting, I was sitting with them getting mentored by Mark and Matt just came into the room. And we were talking about preaching. We're talking about, you know, how do we become a better preacher? How do we become a better leader? And they said this to me, and it was so powerful coming from them because they're two people that I look up to and two people that was like, they're great communicators. So, you know, in the back of your head, oh, if I could preach like them. And they said this, they said, you will be a great leader and a great preacher when you preach and lead like Chad. Right. And they said, God doesn't need another Matt or another Mark. Right. They need a Chad. That's why right. he created you. Right. And so I think the more that we begin to understand, I'm not supposed to, like I, we joke all the time as a staff because I can't sing. But we have so many worship leaders at this church. Mm -hmm. If I could, where would I fit? Right. We don't need me to, to yeah. lead worship. Right. And so they, this church needs me to teach. They need me to do this. And, maybe, and there's other people in our church that speak and do great things. Yeah. And my spiritual director made me walk through this thing of like, what is it that only you can do, Chad? Right. And when the list of, came down to a very small list right. that only I can do. <laughs> and it wasn't in, like, it's not like that humiliating thing, but it made me realize I don't have to do all of these other things because here is what God created me to do. Right. And when he created me to do this, it's actually not this it's this. Right. And knowing that, that he loves me and he walks me through it, that the world needs me to be Chad. Mm -hmm. And we talks about David in the book and he walks through and he says, and tells the story in 1 Samuel 17, 38. And it says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. He fast, David fastened on his sword over the tunic mm -hmm. and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. Mm -hmm. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd bag and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. Mm -hmm. And this is so important because I think just to clarify too, David is like, I can't go in these. I'm not used to it. This whole series, this whole thing is not um, a reason to not listen to anybody. I love how Peter kind of clarifies it in this teaching this week in the small groups. And he says, Jesus knew who he was, but he also came to serve others. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, well, I know who I am, so I don't do any of this. Jesus came with, I know who I am, so I don't give in to things, but I'm here to serve. And I wow. think that's such a clear line. Right. But David, knowing himself, David's solitude in the field with the sheep, the sheep as he yeah. sat there, he didn't just sit there complaining about his job. Yeah. He sat there, he got to know the Lord, he got to know himself. He took more than two minutes of silence yeah. a day and he was able to know the Lord and he was able to get to a point where he knew, okay, God, you've protected me from the lion. Right. You protected me from the bear. Right. You will protect me from this Philistine because I'm not fighting the Philistine. He is cursing God. I am fighting the attack against our Father and against our Lord. Right. And he understood the heart of God. And that's why God says he's a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. And this is the discipleship is knowing God and knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. And Peter writes in uh, his book about the three temptations uh, towards a false self. And he relates the temptations to the temptations of Jesus. Right. And so we're going to walk through those three temptations. And the first temptation is I am what I do. Right. Um, I think the thing that I have loved the most about of this book is it begins to expose sometimes the 
um, ulterior underlying motives that we have in life yeah. that God wants to reveal to us so that we can actually be self-aware so that we can come into who we are supposed to be. Right. Um, and the first one's a little bit of a painful one. Um, the temptation is I am what I do. And right. it's a temptation because oftentimes it's easy to not have to look deeply, not have to look at myself, not have to look at who I am, but to fall back on the things that I do. Um, and so it's performance. So Matthew 3 or 4 verse 3 says, the tempter came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So basically, Jesus, show us what you do. Can you do anything? And so the interesting thing about this story is the fact that Jesus hadn't done any, you know, yep. miracles yet. He, he didn't have disciples. He didn't have a following. He had just been in the, dis, in the desert. You know, um, he was totally depleted. And the very first thing that the enemy wants to say is, who are you? Right. You're nobody. Nobody knows you. So he's playing on his pride, really. Yep. Do you have a pride? Do you need to be known for all the things that you do? Um, and I feel like that's what our culture asks us. So we don't say, hey, so who are you? We say, hey, what do you do? Right. You know, we had a little um, study about a year ago or like a, a sermon illustration where we put pictures up and we, were, we said, who are these people? And what people responded was their profession, right. what they did. And that's, I think, what we often do. Or we ask people, so what school did you go to? What university? Right. Or what school do you go to? Um, you know, do you have kids? But basically, what they're asking you is, how have you demonstrated your usefulness? Right. That's it's, almost what you're asking people. It's a scale to rank each other. So what job do you have? Where'd you go to school? I just want to rate, like, where are we here? Right. Am I better than you? Right. Yeah. How, how have you, t in your lifetime, um, demonstrated your useful your your usefulness. Right. When you think of asking somebody that, that's appalling. Absolutely. But that's the depth of conversation that we have with each other. Yep. That's what we're measuring each other by. That's what we're measuring ourselves by. We wake up every day going, "Have I been useful? Right. Have I am am I valuable? Like we all have a deep rooted need to be valuable. Yep. We have a deep rooted need to be loved." And we think that we are loved because of what we do. Right. Right? Rather than by just merely who we are. Um, but I love Jesus' reply to Satan for the first temptation. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, right. but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Right. That's so profound. So profound. Because he says, I, I, don't, I don't need to perform for you. Right. I live by, by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, which in, I interpret as my value comes from connecting to the Father, from understanding who he says that I am. Um, I wonder if um, in, in our culture, what it would look like if, we, um, if somebody asked us, so, you know, what did you do yesterday? Because we all, you know, and I mean, culture shouts it. Oh, I was very busy. Right. You know, we all want to be busy. But can you imagine somebody saying, so what did you do yesterday? Well, I sat for half the day in silence. And then I stared outside for a little bit. And then I went for a walk. Like, what would that look like? Right? right? People would be like, you know, stunned. I think they would be stunned with, and there'd be judgment, but then also deep down, 
jealousy, total and jealousy. envy of like, oh, I wish I could just do that. And we can, and we're called to. But why can't we? Right. Because we feel like we need to keep going. The we need pressure to do, of other people. Yeah, we need to keep performing. But Jesus said, I am fulfilled and I am fulfilling perfectly my calling. I can go to sleep at night because I was with my father. Right. And it doesn't matter what I did. I did what he wanted me to do. And and in that solitude, he may speak to you to go do something, and, but that's out of a love for the father. Right. Your intention is purely to honor and to worship God rather than to be seen, right? right. Yep. And the second temptation is we go from I am what I do to I am what I have. Right. And so the other kind of thing is we ask like, you know, what's your name? That's the way we start off like, oh, hi, your name is? Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. And then a lot of times we'll ask, where do you live? Right. What street do you, what side, what side of the tracks do you live on? Like, yeah, in Stratford, what side of the river do you live on? <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, and we ask these things and again, it comes to this comparison of like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, what kind of, oh, that's a nice car. Where'd you get? What kind of car? And, yeah. and we walk through these things. What do I have? My, what I have is what my reputation is, right. is who I am. And in Matthew um, 4, verse 8 and 9, the devil tempts Jesus again. He says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Mm-hmm. And this devil says, all this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Wow. And so the devil's saying to him, yeah. if you bow down and worship me, I will give you the world. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, we are driven by materialisms. Yeah. We're driven by things. And as I talked about before, like the moment I buy, and we'll talk about TVs, the moment I buy a big TV, I find out a friend has a bigger TV. Right. The moment I get an iPhone, they have the newest iPhone out. Right. The moment that I get a car, they just released a new car. And, right. and it's all these things that, oh, I need that, I need that. And we're not happy because we're comparing to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly looking for different things. I love how Peter says that Satan plays a profound, uh, prof- plays on profound issues of fear and the source of our security. And so if my source and my security is in Jesus Christ, he can't mess with that. He can't play with that. But that comes from time with the Lord. And it's huge because again, it comes from knowing ourselves so that we know God. Mm -hmm. And we need to be so aware of the things that Satan tries to use and often wins that steals our sense of identity in Christ alone. And what he uses against you is different than me. And what he uses against me is different than you. And so even the people you're sitting in the room, the enemy tacks differently because he knows Mm -hmm. our weaknesses. He doesn't play fair. He's a cheap guy to fight. But once we know his tactics, once we understand it, then we can fight differently. And so since the world tells us that we need more and more and more, we never feel like we have enough. Our identity cannot be in what we have because everything that we have can be gone in a moment. It's gone. My identity, who I am is in Christ and I cannot take things into eternity with me. None of my toys, none of my things can come with me. And so again, I love Jesus' response to this. And he says in Matthew 4.10, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. None of us want to confess that we worship things, but if things come before our relationship with God, then we do. Right. Yeah. We do. It's painful, eh? Oh, I don't want to admit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The third temptation is, I am what others think about me. And yeah. this one is, you know, we often relate this to, you know, poor kids and peer pressure, teenagers, junior highs. Mm-hmm. But this is such an adult thing, too. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is across the board. Why do we care so much about what other people think? Um, 
you know, I think I, I ask you a question. Um, I think sometimes we can become chameleons. Right. So do you change um, your views depending on who you're with? Do you change maybe the way you dress depending on who you're going to be with? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Do you change maybe your humor depending on who you're with at work versus at home versus church people? Right? Um, Matthew 4 verses 5 to 6 says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the, desert, de the temple. If you are the son of God, he says, throw yourself down, right. for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Jesus was just baptizing, and he went into the wilderness to pray, like I had said before, and he didn't have a following. Right. Nobody really knew who he was yet. Um, and so Satan was playing on this. Well, you know, wouldn't it be so cool? Like, you'd be the one who'd be like, whoa, Jesus is with, you know, God is with you. If you threw yourself down, what would people think if all the angels came in to rescue you? Like, wow, you would have instant fame, yeah. right? People would, would be wowed by you. And... And I think Satan often uses that same tactic with us. You know, what do people think of you, right? How much does our actions depend on what we think people are going to say? I love the story that he uses in the book. Um, I don't have it in my notes, but it's so profound that this teenager was in a conversation with somebody and he got out of the conversation and realized that before and while the person was talking and after the person was talking, all he was thinking about in the entire conversation was, yeah. how can I maybe add a joke that they'll laugh at me? Right. Um, what are they thinking about right now? The entire conversation was based on what do they think about me? How many of our conversations and our relationships are about me rather than what is the person thinking right now? How can I, how can I minister to them? You know, how can I bless them more? How can I help them to know that I'm hearing them right. and that I hear what they're saying? That's like our motives when we spend time with God and we allow him to do some deep work in our lives. I believe that he exposes some of those things yep. and he wants to expose the reasons behind is it is it to get people to like it yeah. is it to get us to start liking ourselves like it's it's just this it's so inwardly focused rather yeah. than on everything that we do bringing glory to god may we um have our conversations and bless them may we be a blessing may we bless god yeah. but instead of just being so selfish it's true I think I, I love the quote that he has in his book and he says, true freedom comes when we no longer need to be someone special in other people's eyes because we know that we are loved, lovable and good enough. Right. I think that's probably a little bit, whether it's an insecurity or a false insecurity yeah. that I'm not lovable. I need to be loved by other people. So we've, I've talked about this before and I say like, it's the one up method into conversations as you're telling me a story or we're in a group with people and somebody's telling a story and, and people are really entertained and laughing. We already are like, Oh, I have a better story. Right. I have a better story. Right. And what we don't realize is by telling it, we're actually just taking away this other person who just probably had a story they wanted to tell. Right. And now we're like, that person sits there and goes, well, I guess I'm not good enough. Right. And we don't mean to do that, but we do. Right. I've told enough people this of something that I've I, I taught myself. I don't know where, I don't think I read it anywhere. I just was spending time with God and I was like, okay, God, I need to be able to not try to one-up people. Because I was bad for this. I had no problem admitting that. I was bad for this. I'd listen and be like, oh, I got a better story. Right. 
And I was praying about it because I'm like, I don't like the fact that I do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want somebody else to feel bad when I'm showing them up. Right. And so I was asking God, God, how can I stop myself from doing this? And I've told enough people that it's not really a secret anymore. I have actually, the Lord showed me to physically bite my tongue. Mm. And so I don't hurt myself. But as you're talking to me, for me to know that, okay, I'm not looking to talk. I need to hear. I need to listen to what you're saying. I need to engage. Right. I will gently bite my tongue. Just a little bit of the tip of it. And I know that sounds so weird and so dumb, but it helps me. Right. And the moment I just bite it, I'm listening and I immediately reminds me, keep your mouth shut. Right. Listen, engage. You need to hear what this person is saying. Right. And so as we read through this book and we're like, how do we move from this false self to knowing truly who we are? Yeah. Uh, Peter writes this and he says, getting to know your core requires following God into the unknown. Right. Most of us don't want to go into the unknown right. because it scares us. Right. It scares us. I know some of my motives and that scares me enough. Right. Do I really want to find out from God the motives I don't even realize are there? Right. Now, some of the motives are my own and some of them are from past hurts that right. I don't understand. Right. And as we spend time with the Lord in quietness, he's mm-hmm. able to talk to us and walk us through it. And if I want to grow in my walk with God, this is what I need to do. Yeah. If you want to grow in your emotional health and your emotion and your spiritual health, this is what it takes allowing god to search you and show you things that might hurt right but in the end will strengthen you completely and so to begin to know ourselves there's four steps that he lists that we need to do yeah so the first one is a pay to pay attention to your interior in silence and solitude going right back to what we talked to at the beginning yeah in your quiet times with the lord pay attention to your emotions and feelings so so in the book peter says um this and i love the word that he uses that's why i want to take it from the book start allowing yourselves to feel the full weight of your feelings not censoring any of them that word censoring means that Oftentimes, I think what we do is we, we feel like we should never have anger as a Christian. Right. We should never have any feelings of depression or anxiety. Um, or we don't like some of the honest feelings of bitterness or hatred. Right. So we censor them a little bit. Well, you know, what were you feeling? You know, why was I feeling? Well, I'm before God today. You know, I'm before God. I'm before the throne right now. So... Um, I was a little, uh, just a, a little upset or, you know, like feel the full weight of what you're feeling. How many times we just don't allow ourselves to be able to do that because right. either we're scared of them, we're ashamed of them, or we just don't want to look before the face of God with them. Um, we're just afraid of what's going to come out. But then he goes on to say, um, how, like, bring them to God. How did you feel about that critical comment a coworker had made to me right. while I was walking to my car? Why was I angry? Um, what was I afraid of? Um, what was I exci- excited about? Unpack your emotions. Yeah. Write them down in a journal. Figure out what was I feeling? Because I think we all live kind of like we go so fast paced yeah. that we ignore a lot of them. Um, but if we never dig deep, we can never allow God to heal them. So in that place of silence is where 
we're supposed to come to a raw spot of awareness of how we're really feeling so that God can go in and say, this is why you're angry. Right. This is, you know, it's okay to be sad. I'm here in the sadness, but this is why you're sad. Um, or this is why you're jealous, or you don't need to be jealous. I am the God who will provide all of your needs. Right. Look at what I've done in the past. I am gonna do this in the future. That is where God begins to speak. But we have to be honest about our feelings in order to allow God to speak. Some of us have been saying, you know, we did the Abide series in, yeah. um, in the fall, talking about, you know, God talking to us. Right. We can't, and so many people could say, you know, said, you know, I just can't feel God speaking sometimes. Like I can't, I don't know what God's voice sounds like. Are we truly being uncensored and honest? Right. Because we're sitting in silence going, God, speak to me. And he's like, you haven't opened your heart up so that I can get in there. You know, you know you're too ashamed of your depression to bring right. it to me. You're too, you're too ashamed of your anger. You're hiding. Right. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, you're ashamed and you're hiding. Yeah. But you need to know that God is a safe place and that when you come to him, you can go, God, in your love and your mercy, I can lay this before you and it's safe to expose my deepest emotions to you right. because I know that you're gonna lovingly show me the right way or you're just gonna lather love on me, but we have to be honest. Yeah, I remember um, when I was on my internship, I was praying for somebody at the front and we we're praying just a simple prayer of Lord, more of the Holy Spirit, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Right. And as I was praying, um, God was stretching me in the prophetic gifting at that time. And I remember hearing something and I'm like, well, that can't be good. That can't be the Holy Spirit. But I was praying like, Lord, fill more of you. And I would hear, I can't. I'd be like, more of you. I can't. And I'm like, God would never say that. Mm. And so immediately I was like, I just kind of paused. And I was like, it just out, not out loud because the person's right there. Mm. But I was like, Holy Spirit, is that you? Yes. Well, why, why can't you fill more? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, there's too much bitterness. Mm. There's no room for me. And so I took this step of faith and I shared this with this person in love and gentleness. I just said, hey, I'm praying for you to have more of the Holy Spirit. And I know that's your desire, mm -hmm. but this is what I'm sensing. Mm -hmm. I'm sensing that you just have um, some bitterness and stuff in your, from your past. Right. And the Lord is saying he wants to come in, but you just need to give forgiveness so there's room for him. Because right. this is filling your heart. Mm -hmm. And the person who's praying with me behind is starting to weep. And it was... Uh, a female and her, and found out it was her husband mm. and they were in ministry together. They were pastors and they had been hurt so bad that he was able to move on. Mm. But because they call it, um, what do you call that offense when it's not you, but you're offended for your spouse? I forget what they call it, but yeah. secondary offense. Yeah. And so you had this secondary offense that was so heavy. Mm. And he came to me after and he's like, he said, he's like, I just want you to know that was my wife you were praying with. And I was like, uh oh, I'm in trouble. And he said, we have been working through this and I was able to release it and she hasn't. And so they came to me a few weeks later, she wrote a letter, didn't send it to anybody, just wrote it and right. she kind of burnt it or I got rid of it. Right. But she felt so light and had wow. felt God's presence so thick because just extending this forgiveness yeah. and identifying the feelings. Right. It was so great. And I think even just feeling a safe place to go, God, I'm bitter, I don't want to yeah. be bitter. Let's just say it as it is, let's name it. I am angry, I am bitter help, you right. know, but it opens a door for God to be and to move and to speak to you. And 
you know. Um, on another kind of opposite note of that, Chris, I remember Chris Valentine saying something really, really, really painful Valentin, as well. Not Valentine. It's Valentine's not Day. Valentine. Valent Valentine. Valentine. <laughs> And he said that oftentimes, almost to go along with that a little bit, it's total rabbit trail. I'm, I'm actually really go sorry. For it. Um, but he said, oftentimes we have things that we are dealing with, or you know, we feel you know self-loathing towards ourselves, or we're dealing with certain things because it's actually the judgment that we have spewed out on other people. True. Yep. So, you know, we have put judgments out there on other people. And again, God is revealing our heart constantly, but he wants to bring healing to those wounded places in us. But they're at, we're actually really wounded because we've judged, you know, others so harshly that all of that rebound is coming back on us right. and we're being judged for the same thing. And in the same sort of way, just being able to be real with God, you know, and being in a place where God can reveal some of that to us and saying, you know, I'm feeling so judged and he could have the safe place to be able to say, you're feeling judged because you've judged others. Right. Just a place of solitude and silence where God can speak. We actually, as Christians, we're, um, we take this scripture out of context. We always use it when it's financial giving. Mm -hmm. And we say, you know, what you give will be pressed down, turned over, overflowing and poured out on you. Right. But what we don't understand is that scripture verse has nothing to do with finances. Right. It actually has to do with judging others. Wow. And so we like to quote it like, hey, whatever you give, it'll be pressed down, turned over, poured over on you. But he's actually talking about judgment. So whatever judgment I get or I give will mm -hmm. be pressed down. Mexican, I forget the scripture, but like how it says it, but like poured over on me, it will come back on me. Right. And so we have to be honest with the Lord on like, here's my feelings. Right. And he's going to walk us through it. What we have to realize is Jesus, the night before he died, he was in the garden, he was praying and he, he was sweating blood. Right. The anxiety that he had to be going through for that to happen mm -hmm. is incredible. Right. And he says this, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Right. What he is saying I don't want to do this. Right. But God, if this is what you need of me, a father, if this is what you need, I will do it. Right. And so we have to understand that Jesus had anxiety that night. Right. He had stress that night. Yeah. And he wanted, I don't want to say quit, but he wanted a different route if it was possible. Right. And God the Father said, no, this is the way. Right. And so Jesus followed it. And so we're able to open up and share this with the Lord yeah. and he is going to be able to walk with us. He's big enough to be able to handle our, handle our emotions. If yeah. he created our emotions, he can handle them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the step number two that we have to do is we have to find trusted companions. We have to find people to walk this through with, mm -hmm. people that are going to speak into our lives. And actually, just jumping back to the first one, I just see something we didn't say, and we need to make sure that we say this. As you're spending time with God in solitude, you need to make sure that you're writing down what he says. You have to start journaling. Yeah. Um, we spoke about this at the beginning, and it's hard sometimes, but it's the best thing for you. So spend some time with him in journal. Yeah. Second, find some trusted friends. You've got to find people to walk through with that are going to speak love into your life. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Bonhoeffer, I won't say his first name. He says this, let the person who cannot be alone beware of community. Mm -hmm. Let the person who is not in community be aware of being alone. So we're telling you to spend time with the Lord, which is so important. Spend time with quiet with him, but you also need to do life with others. Um, the New Testament, they met daily together. Yeah. That was strengthening them, walking with them and helping them. 
And then also, just so you know, like if you're wondering, what do we have in our lives? I have people that I walk with. I have friends. I have a spiritual director that I meet with on a regular basis. I have mentors that I meet with on a regular basis. So I have a spiritual director I meet with once a month. My mentors I meet with once a month. So I spread them out. So I'm meeting weekly, basically. Mm-hmm. I have mature friends in my life. I think that's important. Yeah. Have mature friends in your life can speak into your life. And I have Melissa. And mm-hmm. so she's able to speak to me. She's able to direct me. She's able to point out in loving way. Here's, here's what you have to realize. If you're in a struggling marriage and stuff is going challenging, here's what I understand. When Melissa points out something in my life that needs to be changed, she is doing that because she's also my biggest cheerleader. She wants to see me be the best husband, the best father, the best pastor, the best leader that I can be. Mm. So therefore, when she speaks into my life, it's not to put me down, it's to lift me up. Yeah. But I love that, that Peter really emphasized having companions, yeah. um, you know, having friendships. Like he even talks about it, like we have pastors, but probably the people that know you the very best are the people who are the closest to you, your friends. Right. Or, and if you don't have enough Christian friends, that is what small groups are for. That's right. what these connect groups are for. Get to know them, but don't make it be a Wednesday thing or a Tuesday thing. Out of that, you know, connect with them two days later. You know, hey, how did that go? How did, you know, how is that situation going? Um, Get to know them. Create some friendships. Get to know them and, and, and create that companionship that way. I think when we're trying to walk this through, if you're not in a small group, you can still join. Join now because yeah. it's so important to walk this through. And I think even just, you know, a simple question. If I come to a question in the workbook and I'm like, oh man, I'm having a hard time answering this. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you having a hard time answering this? This is so hard for me. Yeah. And being to have that connection, they either text back, call back and say, yeah, that one was hard for me and, and yeah. walk it through together. Yeah. The third one, we're just going to wrap this up fairly quickly. The third one quickly is move out of your comfort zone. Yep. So if you are doing something and you've done the same thing for the last 20 years, you need to try something new. Right. You can't keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. So I encourage you, I implore you today, do something different this week, completely radically different. Right. And, and people around you are gonna begin to see that you are doing things differently, um, but you can't expect the same results. Start journaling more. If you've already always journaled, um, journal in a different location, a different time of the day, ask yourself deeper questions, expect more, yeah. but begin to, to do something new to get a, a different change. I do like um, Peter's quote on this one. Said, he says this in his book, to begin to do things differently, especially in the beginning, will feel very awkward. So if you feel awkward spending time quiet, okay, doesn't mean to stop. If changing things feels awkward, keep going because it means you're doing something different. And the fourth one is this, pray for courage. Pray for courage and strength to do this. And so here's what we want you to do. I'm gonna quickly review. So here's what we need to do to know ourselves. We need to, uh, sorry, to know ourselves, we need to fight against these temptations. I am what I do, we're gonna fight against that. We need to fight against I am what I have and I am what others think. We need to get our identity and off of what I do and what I have and what others think and get our identity on Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And to know ourselves, so to, we need to walk through these four steps. We need to pay attention to our interior in silence and solitude. We need to find trusted companions. Join a small group. Join today. I don't know how to say that any differently. It's where you're going to grow. Yeah. Move out of your comfort zone. If you're like, well, I'm not sure about a small group, move out of your comfort zone. Join a small group. There you go. Pray for courage. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you two minutes at home. 
And if you are at home with your family, I want you to pray together for strength and courage. Pray together so that you'll have courage to walk this through and strength to do it. If you're at home by yourself, pray for this. But here's the other thing. If you're at home by yourself and you're like, man, I really need prayer for this. There are people online right now from our church in the prayer, our prayer time after the service. They're there now and they will pray with you to, for strength and courage. So go to our webpage, click on the prayer time mm -hmm. and there's prayer team there waiting for you. So we're going to give you two minutes to pray together starting right now. Thank you so much for joining us today. And like I said, there's altar prayer right now waiting for you. And so I do pray that you will join them. Let them pray with you. Let them touch your life and encourage you for strength in your life. Not just related to this. Maybe there's something going on in your life. Like I just, you just need prayer. You need encouragement. You need healing. Reach out to them now. And I want to encourage you, as you saw the video already, join us for our virtual game night tomorrow night at 6.30. You need to sign up on our webpage. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're praying for you. Thank you so much for those who took the time and the boldness to sign up on our webpage for what you were uh, fasting. I am praying for you. I hope that you continue mm -hmm. to fast and pray with us. It's been a great experience for me because this is probably one of the longer times that I've done it for. And so it's just been really strengthening and encouraging for me. So keep going. And we're praying and believing that this series is strengthening you and it's gonna heal you. And we just pray and declare over you complete healing. And again, I'm encouraging you, join a small group because that's where you're going to grow. So thanks for joining us today. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you enjoy your day. We're going to go and as a family celebrate Valentine's Day. And I'm looking forward to spoiling you. So God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 